Welcome back to the program. Already 2014 has been a huge year in the Freedom to Marry movement. Advocates have won 16 out of 16 federal and state court decisions across the country. Polls show support at an all-time high of 59%. But although it may seem that way, this didn't happen overnight. For over 30 years, many have been in the trenches carrying the fight. People like Evan Wolfson and Bruce Bauer and Jonathan Rausch and Andrew Sullivan provided much of the early intellectual heft of the movement. Then when it came time for the legal battles to escalate into the federal courts, one of the most unlikely partnerships in civil rights history, David Boyce and Ted Olson, two of America's super lawyers who squared off against each other in Bush v. Gore, teamed up to fight California's ban on same-sex marriage Proposition 8, all the way to the Supreme Court. A year after their victory, they've chronicled it in a new book entitled Redeeming the Dream, The Case for Marriage Equality. David Boyce was selected by Time magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world and as one of the most prominent trial lawyers in the U.S., having litigated some of the most high-profile cases, including the Westmoreland case, the U.S. versus Microsoft, and Bush v. Gore. Ted Olson is one of the premier appellate lawyers in the country and a former Solicitor General of the United States. He argued 60 cases before the United States Supreme Court, including Bush v. Gore and Citizens United. It is my pleasure to welcome Ted Olson and David Boyes to the program to talk about Redeeming the Dream, the case for marriage equality. David, Ted, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Great to, ha- you, great to have you both. Ted, start with you. Talk a little bit about what the dream was that needed redeeming in the context of this case and this argument. The dream of all Americans is, are, is to be free, equal, uh, and to have rights uh, that are guaranteed by the Constitution. Gay and lesbian citizens, just like the rest of us, have those dreams. Uh, and when the California Supreme Court in May of 2008 recognized that the California Supreme uh, that the California Constitution gave them the right to marry the person that they love, just like heterosexual couples. That was the fulfillment of their dream. Unfortunately, six months later, Proposition 8 was passed by the people of California, changing the California Constitution and denying that right to California's gay and lesbian citizens, dashing their hopes, their aspirations, and their dreams. We brought a federal case challenging under the United States Constitution Equal Protection Clause and Due Process Clause the decision of Californians to take away that right and that dream from Californians. Uh, Ultimately, we were successful in the federal courts. And two days uh, after the decision from the Supreme Court, which came down one year ago yesterday, those individuals that we were representing, and many like them, had their dreams redeemed and were married um, in California as, as, as scores of people, thousands of people have since then. David, talk a little bit about it from the moral perspective. Much of of what you detail in the book and what was detailed, certainly in the documentary, was about the legal case here. But as somebody that was also involved in the civil rights movement back in the 60s, talk about this in terms of the civil rights context and the moral underpinnings of the case. I I think that's that's a great point, because I think that we all, as Americans, believe in equality. Uh, we, we've all, as Americans, believe that everyone has the unalienable right, as our Declaration of Independence says, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when you deprive citizens 
any kind of citizens of that right, whether it's based on gender, uh, based on race, uh, based on sexual orientation. Um, that is not only an unconstitutional act, it is an immoral act, because what we are doing is we are taking away from an individual the right to pursue happiness, the right to pursue liberty, the right to be with a person and celebrate the relationship with a person that they love. And so this, this was something that I think Ted and I both started off as an intellectual matter, as a constitutional law matter, as a civil rights matter. But as we got into it, and as, as we got to know our plaintiffs, and we got to know through our plaintiffs thousands, tens of thousands of other gay and lesbian citizens and the children that they were raising that were suffering from this discrimination, it became an emotional journey for us. And, and part of what we chronicle in the book is how this case not only changed the law, but changed us and changed our appreciation of our marriages. And sometimes you take things for granted until you meet people that don't have those rights. And so this was, I think, a case that not only did we change some things, but it changed some things in us. And Ted, talk about that from the perspective of the broader landscape of public opinion, because we often think of legal issues like some of the legal issues involved in this case in a more cloistered way. But there was a very direct nexus here, particularly over the four or five years that this case took between public opinion and the legal battle. Yes, that's a really important point, and it makes me proud of Americans. Um, the discrimination against our gay and lesbian citizens is part beca- in part because we don't, we don't know our fellow citizens very much. People were kept in the closet because of laws discriminating against gays and lesbians. You could be fired um, from a federal job. Uh, if it turned out that someone found out that you were gay or lesbian. As a result of that, people kept their sexual identity secret in a closet. Um, and, and as more and more Americans have come out of that closet and acknowledged who they are, um, proudly who they are, more, all of, more and more of us across the country have realized that we have friends, we have relatives, we have family members, we have doctors uh, who are gay, and they are just like us. The court case, the court cases, and the people that you mentioned at the very outset of your program, have helped to change public climate. Each time there was a, a decision or a trial in our case, we talked about these issues as much as possible, and many, many other people across the nations. The more and more that Americans understood the lives of their fellow citizens, the more they recognized it was wrong, painful, um, and damaging not only to the people who were victims of discrimination, but to to our own ideals. Today, 75% of the young people, 75% or more people under 30, don't even see this as an issue. Uh, But public opinion has changed from the time that we filed this lawsuit, not necessarily because of our case, but because of a lot of things, from overwhelmingly, very, very strongly, against um, unions between persons of the same sex, to rather strongly in favor of such unions and the rights of individuals. So the American people, the more they realize what the issues are, the more they understand uh, how important it is to treat our fellow citizens with equality, dignity, and respect. And David, a year after the decision in this case, talk about your view of the relevance of this case 
in the broader landscape of equality in this in this area? I think you have to go back as as you did right at the beginning, and and recognize that this is not a battle of the last four or five years. This is a battle of more than four or five decades. Uh, this is this is something that started in a serious way in the 1950s. And we've been working towards this goal. People have been working towards this goal uh, for tens of years. Uh, Eleven years ago yesterday, the United States Supreme Court decided a case called Lawrence against Texas. And that was the first case in which the United States Supreme Court had ever held that the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause of the Constitution protected gay and lesbian citizens in their sexual orientation. And that case was a seminal case. It was written by Justice Kennedy, who wrote the Windsor case uh, a year ago. Uh, it was a 5-4 decision. Um, Justice Scalia in dissent um, quite perceptively uh, recognized that that decision by the court really destroyed the basis for states claiming to be able to discriminate against citizens as to who could marry and who couldn't marry. So this, this case um, that we did uh, was important, I think. Um, it restored uh, marriage equality to uh, Californians. I think it built a trial record uh, that has been used in, in other cases. But it's not the beginning nor the end of the battle. It was one uh, step uh, in, in that process. And if you, if you had to single out a, a single case uh, that I think was the, probably the most important case, um, it was the Lawrence case 11 years ago, because that, that's what provided the intellectual and the jurisprudential uh, basis for, for everything that followed. Now, I think that one of the things that we were able to contribute is sort of like the Scopes trial. Um, people don't remember that... Uh, Clarence Darrow actually lost that trial and won it on appeal on a technicality. But what happened is, although that trial didn't change the law, it helped change people's public opinions uh, by bringing uh, the issue out front, uh, making people think about it, uh, providing uh, evidence. And I think that is that was one of the contributions that we made. But that that was a contribution that lots of other people were doing at the same time and had been doing for many years before we got involved. I think you have to look at it as a continuum, uh, and it's, it's one that I think we've played a role, and we've been proud to, to play that role, but it's, it's only been a step in the process. And, Ted, to that point, it was really uh, Justice Scalia's dissent in the Lawrence case that in some way pro- provided the predicate for some of your positive arguments in this case. What, what Justice Scalia said in the dissent in that case, given what the majority had decided— there's no remaining constitutional basis to prevent people to marry the same a person that they loved of the same sex. He basically he predicted it, uh, and he said, well, the majority said that they haven't gone that far. He said, don't you believe it? Uh, it's interesting that in the Windsor case, the case that overturned the same day as the case um, affirming the decision in the Proposition 8 case, the Windsor case, struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, the federal law discriminating against individuals who were married to someone of the same sex. Justice Scalia did the same thing. He said, this ends it. It's over. The reasoning of the majority 
makes it clear that gay and lesbian persons will be entitled to get married. That all these these cases across the country that have happened just in the last 12 months upholding the rights of gay and lesbian citizens have almost invariably cited Justice Scalia's dissenting opinion saying, well, he knows, he's close to the court, he knows what the court decided, and, and, and has quoted him as supporting the decision that they make upholding the rights of gay and lesbian citizens. It's really quite interesting. And David, one of the fundamental points in all of this, which came out profoundly in your cross-examination of, of David Blankenhorn, is the overwhelming point that no one is harmed in allowing these marriages to take place. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, w- one of the things that we demonstrated, and we demonstrated it not only through our witnesses, but through the witnesses from the other side, was that this discrimination did great harm, great damage to gay and lesbian citizens and the children that they were raising. And so what's on the other side? And it turns out there's nothing on the other side. And not only did their counsel admit that, but their own witnesses admitted that under cross-examination. So you were left with a situation in which you had this law that hurt people, hurt them seriously, and did nobody any good. And if you think about it, um, I'm I'm married. um, uh, Ted's married. uh, We've got a lot of straight friends who are married. I don't know a single one of them who thinks they're going to get divorced if gay people can get married. Uh, that's absurd. And I think that the recognition of that, not only on the part of our witnesses, but on the part of their own witnesses on cross-examination, and the fact that their own counsel had to say he did not know of any damage, any harm to heterosexual marriage that this could cause, I think was the last nail thought. David Boyce. Ted Olson, the book is Redeeming the Dream, The Case for Marriage Equality. David, Ted, I thank you both so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. Jeff, really we're, we're very grateful to have a chance to talk to you. Thank you. Thank Jeff. you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.